Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and this is a program for people who want to learn more about our interior lives. And we have had so much fun talking to women about the decisions they've made to bring more joy, more happiness, more health, and more purpose into their middle lives. I am so grateful for our partners, Active Recovery, because Active Recovery TMS is building clinics all over the Pacific Northwest in order to help people who suffer from treatment-resistant depression. Uh, they're offering therapy, they're offering ketamine-assisted therapy, they're offering transcranial magnetic stimulation, and there is no better time to be in the hands of Dr. Pritham Raj than now, because recently the FDA has approved new treatments for depression medication that are fast acting. Please don't suffer from treatment resistant depression. And now to our guest, Jennifer Cassetta. She is the author of the new book, The Art of Badassery, Unleashing Your Mojo Wisdom of the Dojo. And I really think you're going to love this conversation because it's for any woman who's ever felt burned out, beaten down, or maybe just a little reminder of how powerful we all are together. Hi, Jennifer. It's so good to talk with you. Thank you, Sheila. I'm so excited. Um, tell me, first of all, what the art of badassery is. Mm, the art of badassery is either a keynote, a workshop, and now a book that walks women on a journey from white belt to black belt of self-empowerment. And we go from all the different levels, similar to a martial artist's journey, getting onto the mat for the first time, being uncomfortable, all the way to self-mastery. That's cool. So you've compared it with the different levels of black belt, right? So everything that you went through to achieve where you are today is exactly what you're using this template for women's self-development. Yeah, exactly. I use it, uh, martial arts as a framework. Uh -huh. So you don't have to know anything about martial arts. You don't have to go to a dojo and sign up for classes to understand it. It's all used as a metaphor. Okay, so I want to go back to September 11th, a date that completely reframed your own view of your personal safety and who you were in the world. Take us through what happened that day. Absolutely. I was in my early 20s and headed to work in the morning, got out of the subway at Wall Street and looked up and black smoke was billowing out of the World Trade Center. The towers had already been hit when I arrived. I made it to the building that I worked at. The doorman wouldn't let me upstairs. Instead, he offered me to use the phone in the lobby. I called my mom and within seconds, the first tower fell. A swarm of people came rushing into the lobby looking for safety. And I got thrown into this utility closet with this group of strangers. And for the first time in my life, I completely shut down, froze, paralyzed with fear and absolutely thought I was going to die until this woman came over to me and kind of put her hands on my shoulders and asked me my name, which forced me to take a breath, answered her. And she said, Jennifer, I'm Nancy. And the two of us were going to get out of here today. And I'm pretty sure that I had met my guardian angel that morning. And sure enough, the two of us, we did make it out of there. We were all evacuated from that building. And her and I ran for hours from building to building looking for a safe place to land until finally I had the idea to take Nancy to the martial arts school that I'd been training at for the previous year. For the first time that day, when we arrived covered in soot, I kind of felt safe was able to breathe more deeply, drink water, watch the news, you know, kind of just get 
out of that disoriented um, state I was in. To, to close the story, Nancy left. I've never seen her since. And I'm still looking for this magical woman out there. Wow. Nancy Washington, I believe is her last name. So if you're listening, hello. Every time I tell the story, I make sure to mention her name. So that place, that dojo became this metaphor for me or the safe place where, because all I wanted to do in the weeks and months that followed September 11th was go, go there right? Get out of my street clothes into this crisp white uniform, tie my belt around my waist and get on the mat and do this life altering work mm. where physically I started to get stronger in my body, mentally, emotionally, I started to feel more confident and spiritually, I started to feel more grounded and more really purposeful than, than ever before. I love that the new thinking around mindfulness is not so much about needing to go to a mat and go into deep meditation but to do anything that takes you into that sort of flow and what you're describing is being in a mindful flowing state. Right. Mm -hmm. And so imagine what kind of benefit you were giving to your nervous system to be in flow after suffering such a trauma. Completely. And the movements in martial arts, you just drill them over and over and over again when you're doing like your katas, the basically choreographed set of movements. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you're on the mat with opponents and having to kind of real time do all these different defenses. In both scenarios, you do, you get completely out of your to-do list and what's bothering you and those racing thoughts. And you're just completely present. Yeah. And that's what I really truly believe opens up the space for that flow. Yeah. You're out of your head and into your body, which is where trauma healing takes place, right? Yes. Was it a few months later, Jennifer, when you were attacked? I know it was a crazy year. Uh, although obviously in both scenarios, it could have been a lot worse. And it was a lot worse for a lot of people. So I always um, make sure that I, I remember that. Later that year, I was walking home late at night and decided to check my phone, you know, listen to a voicemail. And I was right in front of my apartment building. I could still see it. And next thing I know, someone's up my dress, grabbing me from the back. And I swung around, was able to face my attacker. And instead of going into that freeze response, this time I went into full fight mode and I felt this rage <laughs> just coming, you know, like boiling up and out of me and making my body big and flailing my arms and using my voice in the most powerful way to tell this person off. And luckily I didn't even need to use any of the fancy Hapkido martial arts techniques that I was learning at the time. Instead, I was able to scare off my attacker and essentially have him change his mind that maybe this woman is not We're going to be a bit of a problem for him, <laughs> yeah, huh? Exactly. I'll go you know, find someone else. You know, what's fascinating to me is what you described that happened to you on September 11th is just all over the literature, you know, where you have these trauma responses that are fight, flight, freeze, but now they've also added fawn, which is what sounded like you did. You became very small, almost disassociating from the actual events of what was happening to you. But we now know, which I think is super interesting, that if women do defense training, they actually can change their built-in trauma response. And that sounds like you did it quite quickly. A hundred percent. Again, you don't have to go to a martial arts school to do that. Yeah. Just working through it physically, mentally, emotionally, all of it. At the time, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't 
consciously think the martial arts is going to help me with PTSD, right? That was not a conscious decision. Only looking back, can I see how that worked? Can I ask you what kind of impact this sort of training has had on your midlife, Mm. getting older, looking at yourself in the mirror, seeing that you have some beautiful gray in your hair, Mm-hmm. being um, a human in this in this environment that's a really difficult environment for a lot of people right now in America. How has this training kind of benefited you? Honestly, Sheila, I truly can say that it shaped who I am today. There's so much like I want to say right now and I uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, I go back and I picture myself on the mat and for 10 years in this one school in New York City, was where I really built my chops in teaching. Um, It's how I helped form my voice and really tap into my powerful voice. Again, in in the the book, it goes back to learning how to key up, which is the word that translates to spirited yell. It's that noise that we make uh, when we punch, when we kick, and it accentuates every movement that we make. But then, you know, that's just kind of this metaphor for using my voice in in a powerful way outside of the dojo too. So at the time I was building my business as a personal trainer and a health coach in New York, stepping into other people's worlds a lot, right? I was a, a private trainer for very wealthy folks. So I would be going into people's homes and I had to establish myself and not give into all the power dynamics at play mm-hmm. in business, in life, in dating. And the only way I knew how to do that was to use my voice powerfully and my bo- and communicate with my body language, which is something obviously we all do. But again, probably unintentionally, probably with not so much intention behind yeah. it. And I will say that um, it sounds like you were also in that circumstance where socioeconomic circles and the differences between people can be very profound. If you're not able to stand your ground, to feel yourself on the earth, to feel yourself as a valuable human being and to use your voice as you were intended to, right? So that probably helped with that as well. A hundred percent. And years, years later, I went and traveled around the world with a VIP client um, based in the Middle East. And I was in situations that I wouldn't have ever imagined in my that I could have access to private jets and five-star hotels and all of this. And I remember having those moments of, I don't belong here. I'm not worthy. And then taking stock and stopping for a moment saying, I absolutely belong here. What mm-hmm. makes me not worthy of this and other people worthy just because they grew up into it or or whatever? So yes, just a lot of a lot of power dynamics that I learned again, unconsciously on the mat with coming up and sparring with all kinds of opponents. So, so much I can talk about how it's changed my life, but essentially it it truly has shaped me into a leader. And that's what the black belt level is all about, is about leadership. When you get to that place in the dojo, in your life, where you get to step outside of yourself and really make an impact for your community, your groups, at your work, at your job, whatever that is for you, that's when you really start to become a leader. Wow. Tell me about women in this particular form of martial arts. Are more women doing it? When I started 22 years ago, one of the decisions, you know, I I looked around at different martial arts schools to choose which one I was going to start at. I had no idea all the different disciplines of martial art or the styles, and I really didn't know much about it at all. But what I did notice in this particular school was there was tons of black belt women. 
And they were just so fierce and so powerful. And I would watch them with their swords and their weapons. And I, I just looked at them like that, that, like that is what I want to work towards. Wow. So I think every school is different, but I think more and more with every Charlie's Angels movie or, you know, there comes these cycles of more women getting involved. Especially, you know, if you have been a victim of a personal attack, it, it seems like that kind of thing would be so completely therapeutic. Not that you'll ever kick someone's ass, but just the knowledge that you absolutely know how to, if you ever needed to again. Yeah. It's very powerful. It's fortunate and unfortunate when I teach self-defense courses that I would have a lot of women come and tell me their stories of why they wound up here. Of course, would love for everyone to learn basics of self-defense before they actually needed it, but that's just not reality. So um, whenever you choose to step onto the mat and learn, and I mean mat in the metaphorical sense, and learn these techniques is the perfect time. You probably travel a lot and walk around and notice women doing things that are detrimental to their personal safety that drive you crazy. What are they? And honestly, women, men, everyone do. Yeah. You know, it's not even a gender thing, but the amount of people, especially younger people, uh, walking around with their heads in their phones these days mm-hmm. just ugh, hurts my heart mm-hmm. when I visit New York and I'm down in the subways and I'm watching people with their headphones on completely blocking out the outside noise. They don't put their hoodies over their eyes as well. Peripheral vision, just completely blocked, completely standing too close to the edge of the platform. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't see if someone's running at you, you can't see someone who's distressed. And you know, the other side of that is how can we be better bystanders in the world if we can't even see what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. So we have to protect ourselves and be better citizens just by being alert and aware. I've often wondered if self-defense training makes you more spooked mm. for being a woman in America or less. I will say from experience, a hundred percent hands down, it makes you less spooked. I say it's not paranoid. It's the opposite. I feel empowered. Yes, I hear all the scary stories. Yes, I'm on social media and I watch the news. Yes, I hear people tell me even more of the horrible things happening out there probably than the average person. To me, again, it just feels like more knowledge is power to me. I know situational awareness is about knowing what's happening in your world. That gives me an opportunity to avoid danger when possible. Have you um, thought about what you do beyond a black belt? Has that ever occurred to you? Like I have the black belt. I got, I went to the highest. What happens next? Well, it's not the highest. It's actually just the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was always the highest. What is the, what is it? White belt is the highest? No, no, you're correct in saying it goes white, yellow, orange. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the system. And then, but you end a black belt. You don't end is my point. Sorry. Okay. You then have second degree black belt or second dawn, third dawn, fourth dawn is master level. And then it goes fifth, sixth, seventh is grandmaster level. So you have people in their 60s, 70s, 80s still training and going. And as long as there's someone older and higher than them. And wiser, <laughs> I suppose, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's always another level to achieve. Oh, that's wonderful. And so you don't ever think you're going to stop training this way. When I left New York um, in 2009, I left with my third degree black belt in a martial art called Hapkido. Since then, I never really found my school out here in Los Angeles. 
So I train on my own and I teach. So yeah. I teach self-defense only, not the whole martial art, but I teach yeah. self-defense to corporations, colleges, you name it. And I had to have a hip replacement surgery three months ago. So I am uh, currently on hiatus. <laughs> that's real. That's real life, isn't it? That's yes. kind of the, the funny thing about karate is it that you've actually trained your brain to be able to recover too, which is so yeah. wonderful as you age that mm -hmm. ability to center, to be with your body as it heals is kind of a critical skill that we all have to learn, right? Oh, yes. A hundred percent. Jennifer, I am really going to, I'm going to say the name of your book again, Jennifer Cassetta, The Art of Badassery, because I'm really moved by how you use the template for your own healing to help other women. And I think it's a fantastic example of some of the things we can do if we just shift our lens a little bit wider in midlife. And we have a lot of people on our mailing list and on our download list who love to buy books. So where do they find you? How do they learn out more about the art of badassery? They can purchase the book on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and you can find me at my website, jennifercassetta.com and social media at Jen Cassetta. And that's two N's, two S's, two T's. Ah, good. That's a they're really good mnemonics. You've just given us a great reminder, Jennifer. Thanks again for being with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sheila. Bye.